It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 148. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. So how's it going, Gary? How was Thanksgiving in Denver? Uh, well, it was good. Actually, I traveled to the East Coast, uh, something I didn't get to do last year um, for uh, Thanksgiving. So oh, wow. it was nice to get back to regular kind of traditions. Yep. Yep. Yeah. See family, I assume. Yep, exactly. Cool. How about you? We had uh, out-of-town visitors uh, for the, well, we've had an occasional one or two out-of-town visitors um, on occasion over the last year and a half, but this was certainly the biggest gathering. And basically it was, you know, the uh, the regrouping of the usual suspects for Thanksgiving uh, with one or two exceptions. Everybody was vaccinated, which was, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of the uh, requirements we set up beforehand. Um, and it was honestly, it was intense, mostly because after two and a half years of not or two years of not having a large gathering, um, a large gathering took some getting used to again. So it was it was loud. It was raucous. We had a lot of fun um, and it was really good. We had a we had a good time. The um, and dinner, of course, was wonderful. <laughs> ate way ate way too much as as you're supposed to. Yep. Um, you were asking me before the show how many corgis there were. There were only four. We've oh. been uh, we have our two dogs, and then we have two others that we are essentially dog sitting for our breeder because she was in the process of um, actually uh, one of her dogs was having a litter, and of course uh, that was going to happen. What could have potentially happened on Thanksgiving Day, oh. as it turned out, it happened the next day. And as these things go, I'm on call for that because I'm one of the people that when a corgi has a large litter, it's mm-hmm. almost always a, a C-section. And that means that they need a lot of bodies there right away to handle the, uh, the puppies as they come out. Mm. And I'm one of the, uh, the chosen few, apparently. I've done this a couple of times now. So on the day after Thanksgiving, I was uh, in the back of a vet clinic and uh, delivering puppies, which was, as always, an awesome experience. There yeah. were eight little tiny moments old corgi puppies. They're wow. Cute as hell, yeah. Um, but um, so yeah, that's uh, that, and you know, just the chaos of Thanksgiving and and the chaos of last week, just not knowing what day it was, <laughs> any day, <laughs> any day of the week, even worse than the rest of the pandemic, sure. made for an interesting week. Sure, yeah. yeah so now definitely. it's back to uh, back to quote unquote normal, whatever that uh, whatever that's supposed to be these days. Um, of course, um, while we while I was busy delivering puppies, news was breaking about another variant of the COVID. Yep. Um, uh, you know the COVID virus, and uh, so who knows what that's going to turn into? We may, hopefully, it won't be anything, but uh, you know, you never know. So, yeah, as a former journalist, I'm actually not very happy with basically all of the news organizations right now um, <laughs> because they they're taking advantage of this new variant to basically post and repost articles that say we don't know right Um, because the the science takes longer it takes longer to figure these things out and i guess part of the blame is with you know us because we want to know so they're publishing articles saying well here's what you here's what we know so far and it's like okay there's not going to be any new information here is there nope there's not after reading it it's like you know it's just uh 
yeah, it, it's frustrating. And it's, uh, you know, depending upon a, your. A lot yeah, of ahead. articles that are written in a bizarre structure, um, you know, as a former journalist, and I've, I've been uh -huh. told this is how they used to do things, is that you would write your article in a particular structure that would allow the editor at the time to start chopping information off the bottom. Pyramid style, yes. So that whatever was left would still make sense. Even if all that was left was a single paragraph, that was the most important paragraph. Uh, what I'm finding is that a lot of these articles are now written in what I guess I would then call reverse pyramid or upside inverted pyramid, where they lead you through a lot of stuff that seems relevant but they don't actually address the headline um, mm -hmm. in, in any way, shape or form until the very end of the article. And as you're saying, a lot of these articles, you know, there's blah, 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 blah. And we don't know anything. <laughs> right. So it's, yeah. just, it's not just that they don't know anything. It's that they're turning not knowing anything into a very unpleasant experience. Yeah. And, you know, my concerns aren't just that people now, according to your disposition, you might be panicking you know, thinking, oh, what could, what could happen? Because there's a lot of, uh, and you wrote about this in your newsletter, a lot of uses of the word might and may and could be and that kind of thing, um, which of course people ignore those qualifiers and go right to, you know, what it says. Oh, you know, this could be more, this could be more dangerous. Well, it's more dangerous. No, it could be, right. <laughs> you know, and so there's that, but there's also the boy who cried wolf kind of situation here where say this one turns out not to be, like a big deal, like it doesn't spread, doesn't displace the Delta variant, for instance. Right. Uh, and then maybe this happens again in a month. And then it happens again, but this time there's important information everybody needs to know. But at that point, everybody's like, oh yeah, another one of these variants. We right. know how this goes. It's not important. So so that's uh, that's always a, a you know something. We not related to that, you know, uh, our city here, Denver has instituted like a lot of places, uh, you know, mask mandates again. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because of the hospitals, you know, it's all has to do with the hospital beds. Right. Um, and one of the things happening, uh, you know, there's three factors having to do with the hospital beds. One is, um, you know, new COVID patients, of course, but the others are, uh, people that have put off things that they need to go to the hospital for, for a long time mm -hmm. and now are in, um, and the other is staffing shortages right yeah so staffing shortages of, are huge right now yeah the number of beds has gone down because of staffing shortages therefore the percentage of beds being occupied is going up so there are actually fewer covid patients i believe now than previous peaks mm -hmm. but because there are more people in there for other things and there are fewer beds there's you know it's like 90 percent plus you know, beds are taken up. So they've instituted mask mandates and, uh, you know, or vaccine mandates, depending upon what you want. I was, I was pleased to see that the one uh, bar-like establishment that I go to just decided to put a mask, you know, a vaccination, you know, you have to be vaccinated to come right. to this bar right? kind of thing. I was like, yeah, because <laughs> everybody I know that I meet there is vaccinated. So like, all right. And it didn't really affect anything because we're all, we always talk about uh, our, vaccine shots and our sure. getting our boosters and all yep. that stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, it's interesting. The, uh, so one of the friends we had up for Thanksgiving uh, is uh, came up from LA mm -hmm. and yeah, they've gone into um, uh, 
they've imposed actually on as of Monday or something like that. I think it's a vaccine mandate for, you know, public places and such. Mm -hmm. They've, they've instituted something that was, you know, a step above of where they were before. And, you know, that's quite the, quite the metropolis to have to do something like that. My cousin in Holland has been sending the occasional news article out there. And of course I'm paying attention to the Dutch news from time to time. Europe seems to be in a pretty bad way as well. Um, yeah. Especially centered around Germany, Netherlands, that kind of stuff. Not only because, uh, it's you know there's so much travel going on there, and apparently a lot of the uh, the the initial reports of the Omicron variant coming out of uh, Southern Africa were uh, you know reported in Amsterdam because that's where a lot of the flights go, right? That's the one of the major hub airports in the uh -huh. uh, in Europe. Uh, but uh, they also apparently have a fairly large um, anti-vax and anti-mandate crowd that has been like rioting. Uh, you know, there have been riots in a couple of the cities in Holland that have to do with all this, which is, I find just, part of me says fascinating because it is kind of a fascinating so, yeah. uh, you know, a so, social experiment. On the other hand, it's like, what the heck? I mean, come on, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess maybe because, you know, all the, all the scientists had so much to do, but they wanted to give something for the psychologists to, to study as well so, right we've got so the epidemiologist busy now let's yeah, work on this <laughs> let's get the psychologist working on something uh let's have an anti-vax movement yeah that'll keep them that'll give them Crazy. papers that they could file i don't know yeah uh, anyway anyway yes. on to on to interesting technology on to technology so you've got a, a you're an, an update on your laptop situation i have ongoing. updates and updates yes yes um so I believe a couple of weeks ago when we last talked about it, I had just gotten my uh, frame.work frame. or framework laptop. Yep. And I have to say, I am very, very pleased with it. Um, I have been using it uh, almost as a primary machine, especially during the holidays, where I end up spending more time in the common areas of our house rather than sequestered here in the office that I'm in right now, where I have my desktop. Mm -hmm. So I've been using the laptop a lot. And... I don't know, maybe it's just coming off of a laptop that had a failing battery or wouldn't stay powered. But I got to say, it's nice to have a laptop that'll run on battery for more than five minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge plus. But all in all, it's, you know, it's an, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's like super special in any way, but, you know, I put it together myself. It seems rugged. It seems capable. It's powerful enough for what I'm wanting to do. I've got space on it. I'm just really happy with it. There's only one exception to that. And I've started to do a little bit of research into what might be going on. Um, is that the Bluetooth, to be frank, sucks. Um, I have a pair of Bluetooth speakers that I connected up to it. And they would connect up, but the sound was awful. They were just, you know, stuttering is the best way to describe oh, it. Oh, interesting. And I thought, well, you know, maybe it's the speakers or maybe it's just, you know, something or other. And I've used those speakers with my phone and they work just fine. Uh, I ended up connecting up uh, a Bluetooth mouse because of the way I want to carry things around. The Bluetooth mouse had the exact same problem. In fact, you would describe the mouse pointer as stuttering across the screen because of, again, the Bluetooth hmm. connectivity, whereas a normal uh, wireless mouse using one of the little Logitech dongles works just fine. So there's something going on with Bluetooth. I'm not sure exactly what the issue is. Uh, I finally yeah. this afternoon got registered in their uh, community forum, did a little bit of research on exactly what kinds of things. I'm not seeing a raft of Bluetooth issues, uh, which is 
I'm not sure if that's reassuring or not, but uh, there was, was some advice. And since this was a machine I assembled myself, uh, there were a couple of things that were listed for the do-it-yourselfers as, you know, go check this connection or go check this cable routing or go check this, which is when you're in a do-it-yourself world, yep, that's exactly the kind yep. of stuff to do. And I think I mentioned last uh, last episode that I had, in fact, had a couple of issues getting the wireless card installed properly. So it's very possible this is all just a side effect of that. But that's the only thing. Uh, it's really literally the only thing that has uh, been a, a bad experience here. I still run Windows 10 on that machine, uh, specifically because there's no reason to run Windows 11. And I'm, like I said, I'm just, I wanted to give a, a final update that I'm really happy. Somebody asked me today, I published an article that I'll be mentioning a little later. Um, somebody asked me if I would be doing an update on Ask Leo proper for this. And I probably will. I probably will have a, a little bit of a discussion about the laptop, some of its uh, uh, repairability philosophy, which I really appreciate. Uh, I didn't realize it, but um, apparently uh, Linus Torvalds is one of the investors in the company. Oh which is, you know, gives it a little bit of uh, uh, cachet, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to say I'm happy with it. Um, hopefully you won't hear me talking about it anymore because it'll just be working. Great. Good. Cool. Well, not much going on here um, in terms of that. I haven't gotten any new gadgets or things like that. But, but I did want to... <laughs> hmm? Yeah, that's unusual for you. You're always releasing new gadgets. Well, this, and new I've, got, you know, I've done pretty good this year, you know, with new stuff. But um, yeah, uh, there is a rumor, though, uh, an Apple rumor about them coming out with uh, augmented reality glasses. Now, this is new that there's been a rumor. It's been, it's been for years, right? Right. And, I mean, actually, Google had very basic augmented reality glasses sorts i guess they're not really augmented reality they were yeah just that's what you're thinking simple, about google glass yeah google glass i mean it was yeah. just simple notifications and information i think but um that was years ago and they uh i guess that was a kind of a failure yeah uh and, but apple's been rumored to be working on something like that um but the news is that it might be something we might see as early as late next year Interesting. Um, which really got me thinking a lot because I, I do think about that kind of peripheral a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential in it, especially um, in the light of what Apple's doing with having their own processor now. Because now that Apple has its own processor, the, you know, the M1 series processors, which are actually not processors, they're SOCs, system on a chip. Right. Um, there's some interesting things because first of all, they're extremely low power, which if you're going to have something like glasses, where do you put the actual computing power? You know, you've got frames, you know, that go around the lenses and go, you know, behind your ears. Um, you don't really have much space to put something, at least in a watch, you know, there's the whole idea of this body of the watch and you can pack stuff in there. Um, there's not much room on glasses, but if Apple has control over its own processor and it's not a processor, it's a system on a chip. So you could in theory almost have just one chip right. and it's the entire computer. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and they, the ones that are in Macs and iPads now are basically, um, you know, these, uh, you know, they've got eight or so CPUs, you know, and lots of GPUs and lots right. of, uh, you know, Process, uh, math processors, everything like that. But a lot of tasks I was thinking, you know, that you do are single processor tasks. 
You know, as a matter of fact, when you do benchmarks for computers, usually there's the single processor benchmark and the multiprocessor benchmark. And obviously, if you're rendering video or doing, you know, playing a 3D game or something, you're using multiple processors. But a lot of times you're just using one. And given that glasses aren't really going to be something where you have multiple things going on at the same time, um, it makes sense that, you know, what if they came out with a, uh, a special chip that was a single processor in a single GPU? It could be really tiny, right? And it could use very little power, like a, you know, because you have to have room for a battery somewhere. And but if you have this tiny processor that's really capable of, of doing stuff, and you have a tiny battery because it doesn't need much power, you know, it becomes more possible to have glasses that actually look like regular, say, sunglasses that you buy today, and you put them on, and the processor and the battery are all part of it. Um, and also, if you look at AirPods too, um, there's a lot going on there. There's, there's a little processor in AirPods, yep, and there yep. are little batteries too. Yep. So Apple's got a lot going on that really, you know, it's if you start looking for the evidence of is Apple working on this, you find it in a lot of places that you know already uh, there are already products and things out there. It's interesting as you were talking about the size of the circuitry, my mind actually went to. Um, it's not, to me, I don't think it's the circuitry that's the limiting factor. I mean, mm -hmm. that's one of those things where Apple can, um, you know, custom circuit boards that just happen to be the size and shape of the legs of glasses or something like that. I mean, that's yeah. easy, right? That's the easy part. The hard part, I think, is still the battery technology to make the sure. lifespan halfway usable. And those often end up taking up a significant amount of space. They do, which is, you, you know, what makes me think of these, the AirPods and how small they are. And yeah, how much of those are battery though? That's be interesting to know. Yeah, there's not much because they have to have speakers in them. They, their right. largest element is actually having these little speakers. So, you know, there's a lot there uh, pointing to this. So, assuming Apple has worked out a few things and they are actually on track to produce these, you know, it's like what would they actually do? And you know, makes my mind think about a few things. So you imagine you put you put these glasses on. First of all, I think the whole style thing is something another thing Apple can do. Like Apple can actually partner with like real brands and produce like glasses that actually look like the styles that you see today. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be like these chunky white kind of things that you know with an Apple logo on them. I think they're going to probably look really good. Apple's shown that with the Apple Watch. And they have all these bands and the bands have tons of partnerships with uh, brands right. for the looks and styles and all of them. So I think they're do the same kind of thing. So it's, it's not going to be the kind of thing. Here's the Apple glasses or whatever, the eyeglasses, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the uh, It would be the kind of thing where you can get these and here's all a whole variety of ways that you can get them, including probably prescription ones now where you could actually get your prescriptions. You know, you go to a major chain, uh, you know, that does glasses. There are only a few, it's really cons a consolidated industry and you could get your measurements and everything done. And sure. then those fit in with your order at Apple and it might take two weeks, but you get your prescription right. Apple glasses. So, so I think they've got a lot of that figured out. That would be my guess. The, the interesting thing though is, yeah. is, you know, Facebook announced their glasses what, yeah. six months ago or something like that. But as I understand it, uh, like the Google glasses were mostly about um, receiving and some notifications. Um, you know, you could talk to your Google assistant or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I suspect that the Facebook one is very similar. The Facebook one is getting notoriety because it's got the built-in camera, mm -hmm. right? It's like wearing a GoPro, 
is one of the one of the ways that I describe yeah. it to folks. Uh, but I think that what you've described here, what we were talking about, when we talk about AR, it's way more than that, right? Um, yeah. And that's where I start to worry about not whether or not a single processor, as you were outlining earlier, would really cut it because AR means that they're actually, for lack of a better term, I'm just making this up, but they're displaying media on your lenses yeah. that you then look through to the real world. So this is exactly. how you you see virtual objects in front of you that are still, you're looking at the real world. Uh, yeah. That's That's gonna take some power. It's gonna take some computational power. Now, one of the things that gets me about the ear pods and the fact that they're working so well for people is that they have in some ways an even more difficult problem in that they have to physically move something, right? Mm. They're moving these little speaker cones or whatever, however they do it, they're causing air to vibrate. Right. And physical motion, physical movement of almost any sort is uh, very, very power hungry. Whereas if all you're doing is tweaking some LEDs, uh, which is a gross oversimplification of display technology. Yeah. But you know, if all you're really doing is turning on and off uh, solid state components, that's a significantly uh, less intensive power drain. And maybe they can pull something like that off. Right. Plus, remember that a lot of the power in screens is the light. If you've ever had a laptop, say, break where the screen breaks, right. but it's the light part that breaks. And now we have, you know, LED technology, but before that we had the LCDs, right. there actually were individual little lights that lit up the entire screen. And you could have a laptop screen break in that the screen actually displayed everything fine. If you took a flashlight or a strong light <laughs> you just couldn't and see shined it. <laughs> it on there, you could see, and you know, that a lot of times would save, save you if you had to get your data off of a right. broken laptop. Yep. Uh, and it was just the, the light gone. Now with glasses, they're going to be see-through and it could be interesting if perhaps they could figure something out where they don't really need to use light or much light at all. It's actually obscuring the light. So maybe Possibly. it's not something that works in the dark, but it's, maybe it's not supposed to. Maybe it's using the light that's going through the glass already. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's that's a whole other thing. It, it could, but it could be a big battery savings if that's uh, if that's what they're doing. I, I'm more interested in, like, I'm convinced that they're going to do it. I mean, they're going to figure a way to solve all these problems. Right. So what will they use them for? And like the obvious things and the things I've read in sci-fi before are like, okay, directions. You're standing on the street. You need directions to get someplace. And suddenly you see an arrow <laughs> on the sidewalk in front of you. Go this way. The, the arrow's <laughs> really in the glasses, but you know it's not really there in real life, but it's saying go this way. And then you see, turn this corner and all of that. That's an obvious use. Another is info overlays. And we see this already in augmented reality apps where you have to look through your phone and right. the phone is showing you the camera image and all that. And you could see it, business information above storefronts. Um, you, you know, possibly with face recognition, you could see information about people, <laughs> just, you know, reminding you what their name is or something like that or their Twitter handle or whatever. I could, I could use that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know arriving just in time for people our age. Um, and, uh, and then of course there's just overlaying information that's like notification. So instead of, you know, right now the, the easiest way for me to get a notification is my watch vibrates slightly right. and I look at my wrist, 
easier than getting my phone out of my pocket. And I say, oh yeah, notification. There's an alarm, uh, uh, you know, my alarm that I set, or I got a message or whatever, but it could appear just as text in front of my face. Um, hopefully, hopefully off to the corner. Right. Um, and give me notifications. That's another really obvious thing. And that'd be great because you don't, you don't even miss a beat. You know, you're walking along, you're doing whatever and a little notification appears. It's not important. You just ignore it and go on. You don't have to actually, you know, do something to read it. Um, and there could be other things too. You could use, you know, uh, I, I like the idea I've always said of uh, artwork where the, um, the actual say sculpture is not there, but it's augmented reality. I actually experienced this recently. Um, I went to um, the Denver Botanic Gardens and uh, I have a membership there and I was walking around and they have little signs saying, you know, augmented reality exhibit here, you know, um, and you have to download an app, which ironically was a huge app that I basically had to go home <laughs> and download over <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, but the next time I went, I had the app. And if you look through your phone, there's a sculpture, usually an animated sculpture at the different points. So, and it was sound as well. Um, so you would see like in one area was just a sculpture and you could walk around it, you know, mm -hmm. and walk through it if you wanted to. One of them, when you walk through it actually moved it, like, you know, it acted as if you hit it. Um, Another one was a sphere that you walked through and you could actually experience being inside the sphere. There was other stuff that was animated. It was, it was interesting, but this kind of thing, you know, bringing out your phone, turning on the app, uh, you know, pointing the camera and all that. It's interesting, but if it was through glasses, right. You would just basically walk up and there would be a statue right there. It would look like it was there, but only you would see it or only, whoever is wearing these glasses could see it. But the interesting thing is that it uh, takes some of the, I don't know, it, it, it takes the art away from maybe some of the cost of doing it. You know, if you want, uh, there could, for instance, be a pedestal in town where every month a new artist gets to create whatever they want. Right. And you just need to you need the glasses to be able to see it. Um, it doesn't have to cost a ton of money to build. Um, you know, it, it could change just as easily you know, it's just, it's just software. So they don't have to actually have to uninstall, reinstall something. You don't have to protect it from vandals and people can come up with interesting things because it can be animated. It can have sound associated. It can uh, react to you, do different things and all of that. So it could even change over time. Uh, so interesting things like that. And you could even then go a step further and say games and have augmented reality games, things like Pokemon Go type of situation. Oh, uh, I was thinking about that. Because yeah, instead of walking around with your staring at your phone, right? You know, you you could just see the items you need to collect, or the scavenger hunt, or you know whatever it is, with you know your eyes. You're not actually; it doesn't look like you're doing anything different, but you could actually so be walking around playing a game. My prediction yeah. is that things like games mm -hmm. will, in fact, be one of the drivers rather than. Of something that happens later. I think that games are a way to uh, get this into the hands of more people. Uh, yeah. Have it be more acceptable. Now, what's interesting is I have another prediction and I'm not sure, you, I, I don't know how, how I feel about it, but I think it's reality. What industry uh -huh. was the pioneer for online payment processing? Sure. 
So I, yeah. I suspect that augmented reality may very well play um, a big part in the adult entertainment world. Uh, yeah. That, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to understand or think about how it might be used, but in a lot of ways, it's like the next level from just browsing websites on your machine or watching videos. So I think that they're one that that industry seems to be one that tends to push the boundaries of new technologies um, in ways that in some cases other people just are unwilling to try. But uh, I suspect that that'll be another another place where uh, if it's going to work, it's going to work there. That will be an, another place. Now, all that I think is you, know, you can just expand on all that. Think of all the different ideas. But I think there's a really obvious way to use augmented reality glasses that a lot of people don't think about that could be the real like killer app at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's just sitting in front of your computer screen. Because if you're sitting in front of your computer screen, you've got this 2D wall in front of you of pixels. But if you're wearing glasses like this and each eye is seeing something different, you could actually have a combination 3D, 2D display. So the simplest uh, thing with your cursor, instead of actually being on, you know, figuratively on top of everything as it moves around the screen, could uh, literally, it's kind of problematic to use that word, but literally <laughs> be on top, like be a 3D item hovering above the screen because you're seeing your cursor or your pointer through the glasses, not pixels on the screen. And oh. then this could then go to, menus it could go to anything you're looking at imagine looking at a chart in excel but the chart is actually a, is not just looking like it's 3d it actually comes out through 3d yep. of the display so you would have to, you would have a your, the display would be like the hard information's there as the background but and then your glasses but, are providing everything between you and the <laughs> display in a 3d space but 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 um we have had the potential for this technology for decades. Yeah. Because all you're really talking about is turning these wonderful AR glasses into 3D glasses, right? Be it the, 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 the red blue thing or the polarized. No, no, I'm talking whatever. about, well, uh, but I'm, I'm talking about the, the 3D object would be in the glasses. I understand that. I do. Yeah, okay. I, and that's fine. But we've had the ability to have this 3D user interface for a long time using these old technologies. We could yeah. do exactly what you've just described using these old technologies. And uh, we haven't. Uh, I, it's not quality. I mean, I've always, I don't like 3D movies because I don't, I think it's the quality is degraded. When you use 3D glasses, either polarized or, you know, colored, right. but polarized is the standard way to do it now. I, I look at it and I've, I've gone to, you know, 3D movies and stuff, uh, but I, I usually try to see the 2D version. Mm -hmm. And what I see is the 2D version is crystal clear, like beautiful, like the cinematography, the detail in the image. When you go to a movie theater and you're looking at it on the big screen, it's just stunning. 3D, it's, for lack of a better word, fuzzy. You know, it's 3D, sure, but it's not as crystal clear as the 2D version. And I think that one of two things could be different with these glasses. One is that maybe by putting the images actually in front of your eyes, and they're actually two different images, 
you're not looking at a polarized, you know, vertical and horizontal version right. from, from the single screen. By actually having them in the glasses, maybe that problem goes away and maybe 3D stuff does look crystal clear. Or the other option is, is that maybe it's still not that great, but with the 2D screen in front of you, that looking crystal clear. And that's where like, that's where the words are in your word processor. That's where the, if you're looking at a picture, a photo, that's where the photo is. But interface elements are actually popping out of the screen. That's, you know, that's okay for that to be like a lower resolution, a lower quality, uh, because that's just, that's not the main content. Um, I, I don't know. I think yeah, it, it could. Does, I think there's a tremendous amount of possibility here. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I would love for Apple to do it first, uh, just because I suspect that they will set a very high standard that of course, everybody else will start to follow and start to copy, to be honest. But right. Which, uh, and that's another reason I think Apple really may be onto doing this because if they are developing something that really relies on the fact that they've got this system on a chip that they own and they can create this special version of it, mm -hmm. then they could come out with this and say, Hey, we've created this. And instead of the rest of the industry jumping on it and saying, Oh, we're going to copy that. We're going to have ours out in a couple of months. The rest of the industry says, Oh no, <laughs> we, we don't have a chip that small that uses that little power. Right. Uh, and, and Apple can actually have a few years head start. Right. Rather than just, you know, the, uh, the, the quick, cause you know, when they came out with the, um, with the iPhone and with the iPad and stuff, you know, they, they were using processors. They were kind of making their own, but they were arm processors and other companies were able to jump really quickly mm -hmm. to that. But maybe, mm -hmm. maybe this is a case where Apple sees they could have a big head start. So it's, anyway, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, and I am too. I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be terribly interesting. I really do. I think that uh, while we speculated on some of the things you might do with them, we probably haven't even guessed at what will really take off. Um, the other thing of course, is that uh, along with, I mean, you mentioned facial rec right up there. Uh, when you think about it, it brings a whole new level of privacy and security sure. ramifications to the table as well that I think everybody's going to have to deal with. Uh, but yes, exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, and it gives us something to, I mean, I, maybe the next big gadget class that will come out. Yeah. Yep. Could be. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. So today's an update day for me. I've got updates to yep. talk about. Um, the next one I was going to mention was, of all things, I hadn't planned on talking about this until I spent the last hour uh, walking through a problem I was having. Uh, you know, I think that I host my server out on Amazon Web Services, yes. AWS. Yes. AskLeo.com sits there as a dedicated server, well, a dedicated virtual server, and all of my other domains that run on a server share another server. Mm -hmm. And that's also where my email runs through. Uh, so when you send something to uh, actually any of my email addresses, they end up getting routed through this one server, which is fine. Uh, earlier this afternoon, as I was, actually I was registering for the framework community and they do the thing where you sign up and they send an email to your email address to confirm you are who you say you are, to activate your account, yada, yada, the usual stuff. I never got the email. 
And now, you know, the, the way my email is set up, it takes, it can take some time, but it was taking a lot of time. It was taking too much time. And I started poking around and I decided to uh, take a look at something on the server directly to see what was going on. And I got up there and boom, your server's disks are full. No wonder I wasn't getting any email. There was no place to put it. I mean, there wasn't really even enough email, enough, enough room on the server's disks hmm. to do anything. Uh, so I was kind of surprised I wasn't already getting errors in other places. But bottom line was, disk was full. Great. Hmm. Uh, I do some harvesting of the usual low-hanging fruit to free up enough space so that the thing will start working. And then I start looking into what's taking up all the disk space. A very long story short, I decide that the right thing to do is to get a bigger disk, which uh, you know, the original, uh, this particular server has an eight gigabyte main drive. And then I think it's a hundred gigabyte data drive. And of course it was the main drive that was running out of space. Eight gigabytes is usually plenty for a small um, Linux install, which is what this was. It's Ubuntu Linux. But making that bigger, well, here's the cool part. The stuff that, that just I always enjoy doing, it's super, super geeky. You can resize the hard disk on an AWS machine on the fly mm -hmm. without rebooting the server. And it's running the entire time. Uh, it's one of those things where you go into the AWS interface and say, okay, see this eight gigabyte drive here? Make it 20 gigabytes. And a few minutes later, it's 20 gigabytes. And then you go into the operating system and you say, you know what? This partition here, it needs to fill up the whole disk. Uh, so it increases the partition and you adjust the file system. And all of a sudden, instead of 100% full or 99% full, it's like 30% full, 23% full, just because there's all this additional free space that just shows up. This is one of the things that I find incredibly fascinating about virtual computing is that so much of this complexity, I mean, a normal, a normal scenario for this is, you know, you shut down the server, you back up the hard disk, you replace the hard disk, you restore the hard disk, you reboot the server. Um, that's painful, especially if it's something that's live. Uh, this was, again, just one of these really cool, geeky experiences that uh, that I wanted to share here because I know there's a few a few people that would appreciate that kind of uh, that kind of issue. Yeah, definitely. I'm I am not probably going to go to AWS anytime soon, mostly because of the fact that everything seems to be fine now. Yeah, I, oh yeah. If it <laughs> ain't broke, don't, don't, don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, I I get. And actually, I've been. You know, I'm I'm still in Liquid Web, which I know you were before. Yes. And I've been pretty impressed with, um, uh, you know, how easy it has been to update things. Mm -hmm. uh, I for years I went through this thing where every year, every other year, I would move to a new server. Right. I would go and uh, say, oh, you know, that server is probably getting pretty old. Oh, it can only update to this version of Apache and this whatever. So then I'd spin up another server on their service. I'd move everything there. I'd switch all the domain stuff to it and you know do the same thing in another year or two um last time i tried to do that uh well the, yeah the last time i tried to do that for real several years ago i went to do it and i almost started the process until i realized oh wait a minute i could update this in place now right 
And I was able to. And then since then, I've been able to do that. So it's like, oh, gone are the days where I need to move everything to a new server. It's actually kind of disappointing. That's one of the ways I do my spring cleaning. Exactly. You know, get rid of old sites <laughs> and all that stuff and, you know, clean things up a bit. And it's now it's like, well, I haven't moved the server in years. Yep. There's, you know, I have every once in a while I need to go in and clean out some log files or there's always some kind of email account that I'm not actually using, but for some reason it's not collecting spam and it's got a full folder or something. And um, so, yeah, you know, but uh, all, all in all, it's like, try to take advantage of the fact that I haven't had to spend any time on the server I don't server think stuff. that the need to, to move servers is going away completely. It's much like Windows, for example. We used mm -hmm. to have this with Windows, like, you know, about once a year, you want to reinstall your system just because. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that's gotten so much better, right? You can go years now without doing that. And I think the same is true for the server scenarios that you and I tend to work with. Uh, at some point, the version of the operating system you are running, whatever it is, it's probably CentOS. Um, that yeah. particular version will stop being supported and that'll kind of leave, kind of force the issue. Or uh, yeah, and typically what forces the issue is not the operating system itself, but the one of the components that you want, like the latest version of PHP or something like that, that won't be supported on that yeah. supported version of CentOS. Um, and, you know, and that'll be the thing that drives it. But that's one of those things that maybe a year from now, maybe three years from now, it may just, you know, it may just never matter in a time frame that you care about. Right. And I, so far, I mean, that's exactly the kind of things, you know, the PHP version, because WordPress sits right. on top of PHP and then the, um, the version of CentOS that is, you know, supports PHP. And so far I've been, you know, really surprised. Sometimes I'll I even keep a mental note. Oh, this is the, you know, this goes up to this version of whatever. And then a year later I go in, and find out, oh, my server now supports the next version. Right. And several things, you know, versions of PHP above what it supported before. So, um, so it's been pretty smooth. Of course, I still have to do updates every once. If I update PHP in order to support WordPress, mm -hmm. like a new version of WordPress, sometimes I have custom stuff. Right. That, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, for those that don't know, it's like when you have custom stuff and, and it sits on top, it's sitting on top of WordPress and WordPress is sitting on top of PHP. Um, what PHP does a lot is they don't just change things. They depreciate things. Right. So you have some command that you're using that they say, this is going to go away in a few years. We'll support it now, but we're going right. to send an error message to the log file <laughs> every time you use it. Right. So you have a perfectly fine thing that's working great and sitting there with no errors, you know, an empty error file. And, um, and then one day you update PHP and it still works perfectly fine, except that now every time somebody accesses that web page, it writes a single line to the error file saying, hey, this is being depreciated. And the next thing you know, it's like, hey, there's a seven gigabyte error file in that directory. I've actually had cases where I want to move something that I've written to one of the new servers or whatever, you update the version of PHP. And uh, yeah, it's it's gone to that next level where you know that function you were using that used to work great, yeah. it ain't here no more. Yeah, uh, And that's when you end up having to spend the time to make the changes. The biggest one for me was the MySQL interface. But uh, yeah, that's just, you know. Oh yeah, MySQL is another one that, yeah. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately I've got a lot less to maintain now right. that my gaming empire is really down to three sites right. because with the death of flash um i had a lot of sites that were very complex and very old mm -hmm. um that had all sorts of systems custom built 
on them. Mm-hmm. And the one day or there were these complex systems running and me trying to maintain them. And the next day, nothing, Oof. empty site domain <laughs> points to a for sale page, you know? So it's, uh, and, and it actually has lightened my maintenance load. So on yeah. the topic of updates, I was also going to mention one more update. Um, but oh, this is interesting. It seems to have. I'm, so the machine that I'm running on, my desktop machine that we're, we're mm-hmm. using right now for the recording, um, is in fact running Windows 11. And I ran into a problem with Windows 11 some weeks ago, months ago, whatever. I think I mentioned that here too, where uh, it wasn't fully painting the start menu and a yes. few other mm-hmm. components. Uh, that seems to have been fixed. And what seems to have fixed it is uh, getting the, uh, let me make sure I say the right number here, uh, the 21H2 update, uh, which basically is the second half of uh, 2021 uh, major update for Windows 11, which as it turns out, isn't really a major update, but it seems to have fixed this. Uh, so I am back to being quite happy with Windows 11. Uh, since I said that I, you know, on the laptop thing we were talking about earlier, I'm only running Windows 10 because it doesn't need anything else. I'm going to leave that at Windows 10. There is no reason to push the envelope on that, and I don't want to run the risk of potentially breaking some of the communication software that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. That's the reason for that laptop's existence. That's the reason that laptop isn't a Mac. Hmm. But hmm. Um, the uh, on on my desktop machine now I am running Windows 11 and uh, it is once again now running completely functional and I'm very pleased with that so uh, once cool. again it goes back to one of the things that I preach frequently that I get a lot of pushback on and that is that you know take the updates for your operating system just take the updates things uh-huh. get fixed a lot of people hear again the bad press to come full circle on that particular topic where uh, you know one minor issue that hurts a few machines with the windows updates gets blown all out of proportion uh, and causes a lot of people to be scared and not take the updates that they really need in my case the update fixed something cosmetic but in other cases updates take or fix things that are significantly more serious such as the latest round of vulnerabilities so with that, I want to segue into Aid It Cool because one of the things that I did do with Windows 11 when I was having this repaint issue is I installed a start menu replacement. Now, it's one of those things, these have been around for a long time. In fact, they started, they came into popularity with Windows 8 came around because Windows 8 made such a massive change to the start experience for, for Windows that really upset a lot of people. The one that I've uh, been using, had been using for a very long time on other machines is called, uh, it was called Classic Shell. Uh, it morphed into something called Open Shell, which is still around. Uh, and in fact, I tested it the other day and it actually works quite nicely in Windows 11. Uh, it gives you basically the Windows 7 start menu experience back, or you can even go back further. If you want to go back to older versions of Windows, you can do that as well to have that style of start menu uh, on your latest machine. Windows 3.1. Yep, exactly. You could do that if you want to. Uh, <laughs> as it turns out, I ended up using a different product uh, because uh, Open Shell hadn't been updated in a while. Like I said, I, I was a little reluctant to just dive in on that one. It hadn't been updated since like the middle of this year or earlier. That just doesn't look like it had been particularly active, but it's still working, which is great. But I ended up looking at something called Start 11, which is from a company called Stardock. 
And it is, you know, it's a commercial product, costs a few bucks, it's not expensive. Uh, and it is in development. It is one of those things that is currently in development. Uh, it's a commercial product that is being supported. And again, it does the same thing. It gives you the opportunity to run with a Windows 11-like shell, a Windows 10 shell, a Windows older version shell, whatever you like. There's a ton of customizable options that uh, Windows itself doesn't have natively. So I wanted to throw out there as something that is in fact kind of cool because it is another way for people to make a transition to the newer version of Windows without necessarily having to take on all the pain at once. Uh, you know, if you, if you really find the Windows 11 start menu something that you can't live with, then uh, maybe one of these tools is something for you. So um, I'll have links, of course, in the show note for both Start 11 and for OpenShell. Uh, but I'm using both of them, as it turns out. I'm using uh, uh, classic, or I'm sorry, OpenShell in one of my Windows 11 virtual machines. And I actually run Start 11 on my main Windows 11 machine right now. Cool. Um, for for me, I've, I'm going to go to a TV show again. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that a lot. But uh, are you familiar with um, the? This is actually the third series by uh, starring uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, his actor friend, and they did take motorcycles and do go on extremely long journeys. Um, the first one was like Long Way Round, where they went around the world pretty much, mm -hmm. or I think it was from London to New York, but the long way around. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it's a you know documentary made of their, their journey. And then they made another one called Long Way Down, where they went from uh, Britain all the way down to the tip of Africa. Oh, cool. And they actually in 2019, just before the uh, pandemic, they filmed another, you know, it had been a big gap uh, of years, but they decided to do another one called Long Way Up, where they start at the tip of South America. And they drive the Pan American Highway all the way up uh, just to Los Angeles because they actually uh, covered a lot of uh, the other part on their first one, going okay. from like yep. Alaska to New York. Um, so the interesting thing from a technology standpoint, because you're probably asking, well, what's that got to do with technology? Well, they decided to use electric motorcycles. So... Um, you don't hear much about electric motorcycles. Right. I uh, hear about electric cars. So they actually uh, got prototype Harley Davidson uh, electric vehicles for this. And they're right. on electric Harleys. Um, and not only that, but the support uh, vehicles are uh, Riven trucks. R Riven is a American pickup truck, electric pickup truck company. Is it Riven um, or Rivian? Rivian. Maybe it's yeah. Rivian. Yeah. So... Uh, anyway, so they there's you know these prototype pickup trucks. They've got two riding <laughs> along. Um, they're not completely free of it. Matter of fact, the first few episodes they have a lot of trouble, um, particularly with the cold. I mean, these are all prototype vehicles. Right. There's the cold. They're trying to do long distances. Um, of course, the bikes can't really have huge amount of battery, you know, on them. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, just replacing the fuel tanks with batteries, and it's uh, so they have limited uh, use. And they're they're out in the middle of nowhere in some places where you know places are off grid and everything right so it's interesting um it's actually a lot i thought it would be oh we're using electric bikes and that's the last you hear of it but actually probably about half the show so far has been about dealing with electric the good and the bad and all of that mm -hmm. um so if you like that kind of thing you know electric motorcycles are really interesting you know they make no sound 
right? <laughs> which is, you know, great. Uh, you know, it's a totally, you know, you take for a car, at least for years, they've had good soundproofing. So your car can make noise, but you're inside, you don't hear any of it. Um, but for a motorcycle, of course, it's more of a problem and having these nice quiet bikes uh, and they uh, seem to uh, perform pretty well. So, so yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, I guess if cars are going to go electric and trucks soon, and then, you know, eventually um, motorcycles are going to need to go electric. It's funny. when there's no more gas stations, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, um, uh, the cousin I mentioned earlier from Holland, uh, they're very into motorcycles. And yeah. of course I've got my Tesla. So we've been talking a lot about electric cars, electric vehicles, and paying attention to the progress being made on electric motorcycles. And as is always the case, um, you know, it's going to be the battery that is makes probably the biggest difference to whether or not these things are actually practical. Uh, you know, a small battery, you know, for driving around town, not an issue. But if you want to make a long trip, then um, yeah, there's there's some issues there right now. But uh, I know that like these were Harleys you said they're they're prototypes. Harley Davidsons, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really interesting because they're the ones that have like patented their noise, right? So now they're building yeah. these things without their noise. Uh, or maybe they'll have their noise playing in a speaker if you want to. The, um, but I know that uh, BMW, uh, which is a big motorcycle manufacturer, a lot of people, I don't know that people see a lot of BMWs here in the United States. There are some, yeah. uh, but uh, especially police forces over there, which is my cousin's husband was a, a police officer there, a motorcycle cop. Uh, he drove a, a BMW. So they are looking at BMW and what BMW is doing in the space. And they too are playing with it. So I think it'll be interesting to see where, where electric motorcycles end up in a few years. Yep. And uh, this is, uh, this, by the way, this is on Apple TV plus the, the series long way up. Cool. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. And it's, it's a little weird. The, the technology moves fast. And if this was shot in 2019 and then edited it and, you know, came out sometime late last year and I just got the a chance to watch it, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a lot of this stuff. It's like, uh, oh yeah, they're having, you know, issues with it and all that. And it's probably long been, you know, long ago solved. Yes. <laughs> um, yep. It's moved, moved quite a bit already in just this amount of time. So, so anyway, yeah. So as always, the closest thing we have to an advertisement for this po for this podcast is, of course, our own sites. Uh, I'm going to mention, should I repair or replace my computer? Uh, very timely, since the uh, since the framework laptop is the result of my having gone through that process for myself. It's askleo.com slash 138316. Awesome. And I've got, uh, I'll, I'll promote a video I did on how to take and mark up a screenshot on a Mac. A lot of people talk about like getting cool software so they can take a screenshot and then mark it up with stuff. And it's like, that's been built into Mac OS now for a couple of years. Right. Um, so a lot of people don't know about, you just hit one button and now you're marking up and drawing lines and adding text to screenshots. Um, it's kind of, kind of nifty. And a bonus self-promotion, although it's not yeah. self, it's a friend promotion, I guess you'd call it. Greg Bullmash, a friend of the show, he's actually been a guest on the show some time ago, um, has published, is self-published his first book. It's available on Amazon, Hell on $5 a Day. We'll have a, uh, a link to that uh, in the show notes. And you can also uh, see a little bit more about Greg because he's actually on our hosts page as one of our guests in the past. Very awesome. excited to see that. I saw, I was following him on Facebook and um, the latest iteration of everything was uh, getting the cover, 
right? Coming up yeah. with a cover for the thing. So, and as we know, uh, you shouldn't judge a book by a cover by its cover, but of course, everybody does. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there you go. I think that pretty much wraps us up. We're coming in on a little under an hour, but not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, let's see. The show notes for this week are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh148. If you've got a comment or a question for us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast, or you can always leave a comment on that show notes page. I think we'll be here next week. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we will see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.